Once upon a time. Welcome to Australian Book Lovers. Your destination for imagination. A huge welcome to everybody and a huge thank you for joining us for the Australian Book Lovers podcast. Our mission once again and always is to bring fabulous Australian and Indigenous literature spanning a whole range of genres to book lovers all around the globe, as well as fantastic resources and information for passionate authors looking to write their next bestseller. I am Darren Kazanko, science fiction and horror author, reader and one of your hosts and co-founder of Australian Book Lovers. And I'm Veronica Strachan, fantasy and picture book writer, reader and your other co-founder and host. And I am really thrilled to be able to say we have our first industry interview. Woohoo! Yeah, we've been promising this for a little while to add to the resources that are available for writers in particular, but fascinating also for readers. And of course, most of our writers are readers. So listeners, we have Cassandra Bunch, who likes to be known as CJ, and Ariane James from Taz Writers. So CJ is the director and Ariane is the program coordinator. And we had a fantastic time chatting to them about all of the things, the programs, the projects, the festivals, uh, some of their experience in terms of, you know, what they offered and how they worked through the pandemic uh, down there in uh, Tassie. And it's just been a fantastic chat. Oh, it was amazing. And look, you know, we've had awesome authors that have jumped on a show for interviews and we've got a whole heap more coming but it was uh, something very different to chat with actual industry professionals and it, you know the enthusiasm and just the warmth that came from from both of the ladies was fantastic uh, yeah. just so much excitement you could you could just feel the excitement coming from the Tassie yeah. writers down there and so much awesome information and insights into you know what, what's involved in running a writer center you know organizing funding and organizing festivals and yep. you know the, the changes that have come you know obviously through the last year and just the things that looking forward looking to the future to to bring yep. and you know just so much in there it was absolutely amazing and I, I really did learn so much and just a huge respect you know for for the Tassie writers for coming on board and um, just illuminating all the wonderful things they're doing for their community. It was great fun. Yeah, it was really good. So without further ado and without us um, faffing on too much yes, at the beginning, yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump yeah. into uh, our fabulous interview yes, with definitely. CJ Bunch and Ariane James from Taz Writers. Yes, and, and to all our listeners, I hope you enjoy it and we will see you on the next podcast. And uh, here is our very first industry podcast special. And welcome to a very special podcast. We have two representatives from Taz Writers. With us today, we have got Ariane James, who's the program coordinator, and Cassandra or CJ Wunsch, who is the director. Welcome to Australian Book Lovers. Thank you. Are you there, Ariane? Let's have thank a look. Yes. <laughs> and, and of course, we've I'm, also I'm got. Here too, yeah, I was just going to say, and of course, we also have Darren. <laughs> so I'm coming to you today from the lands of the Wurundjeri people, the Woiwurrung of the Kulin Nation in Victoria. Darren. And 
Yes, and, uh, and myself, I am coming from corner country where it has uh, suddenly got very cold. So, yes, enjoying some jump jumper and socks for the first time in a while. Well, the jumper, the socks. Are the <laughs> Thanks, Darren. <laughs> Too much information. All right. Um, CJ, where are you placed today? Where are you? Uh, are we are coming today? from uh, Hobart and Polina on La Truita, Tasmania, on the lands that were inhabited by the Muanina people who unfortunately cannot share their stories with us due to uh, being wiped out by colonial action. There is a lot to answer for, isn't there? And while there's some good steps happening, telling stories, and I know, you know, from checking out your website that you do have some, uh, you know, fantastic programs. You've got uh, an emerging uh, Tasmanian Aboriginal Writers Program happening. That's right. Etowa is uh, an award that was uh, conceived during the, the previous director's administration. So that's a, a Chris Gallagher brainchild mm-hmm. um, with the idea that the telling of stories and the sharing of those cultural connections builds empathy, it builds community and it builds relationships. And we really wanted to encourage uh, Tasmanian Aboriginal storytellers to share their perspective um, and try to engage and make those connections um, so that, you know, you can build that sense of community together. Yeah, fantastic. Really good. So uh, tell us a little bit about the kind of services that uh, TAS Writers offers to writers. Well, TAS Writers was originally conceived as the Writers Union, mm-hmm. um, and that was about 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've progressed into being a a state level writer center so we run workshops for writers who are emerging and aspiring Mm -hmm. we provide promotional assistance for Tasmanian writers who are being published and telling different kinds of stories Uh, and of course we run the Hobart Writers Festival which is a biennial festival uh, at the southern end of the island outside of that we sort of operate as a touchstone for all kinds of information um, Mm -hmm. and we build services based around what we're answered I have a real problem saying no we can't help (laughs) with that Um, (laughs) that's okay so quite a lot of the services. And so the list of your services grows. It does. Quite a lot of the time we, we come up with a service based on a phone call somebody will ring up and go hi I'm looking for help with x and I'll go do you know, I don't know if anybody's doing that. We should do that. All right. Yeah. Tell me what you want and we'll work out how to do it. Oh, very good. Any really strange uh, requests with regards to services that someone was seeking? Stra- mm, not strange ones necessarily, although, you know, writing can be a very solitary pursuit. Yeah. And, of course, Absolutely. being solitary, it can make things a little bit interesting when it comes time to open up and allow that work <laughs> to be viewed and to be looked at by someone else. I, I think the the most fun we've ever had was uh, a very, very nice gentleman, actually, and, it, you know, we are working with them, um, who was looking for a ghostwriter but was very uncomfortable telling us exactly what the piece would be. Oh, right. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that made the search Yo, for a ghostwriter help, interesting. Help me with my secret, yeah. yes. Uh, but we got there. We got there in the end. <laughs> yeah. We actually get a lot of requests from people um, interested in um, accessing a Tasmanian literary agent, but we haven't, mm. there is no Tasmanian literary agent. So oh, we always, right. oh, really? more. we have to send them uh, interstate. Um, so one of the things that we're hoping uh, to run in the future, funding dependent, as mm. most things are, um, is um, training myself and possibly someone else to be that service for 
Tasmania. Oh, fantastic. Um, so that we don't have to keep declining people. Because, mm. um, yeah, we are a, a very rich literary community here in mm. Tasmania and it's, it doesn't seem quite right that we can't offer that service. It's such an important role for Australian authors, isn't it? Because so much of our market is outside of Australia. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's it's a fantastic uh, show of initiative to to say, hey, look, we've got no literary reagents. Well, let's create them. Yes. Let's now, or like you said, Ariane, let's I'll become one. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's the, the the best way to move forward. It's the only way to do it. Uh, you know, the old. The old scenario of biting off more than you can chew and then chew like hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Veronica and I definitely know what that's oh, yes. like. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, th- I sit here sometimes and think, hmm, what can we do for the website? Yeah, let's do that. How? Oh, we'll work yeah, that yeah. out. <laughs> that is the absolute story of the current administration of Taz writers. <laughs> <laughs> Working as long as we go has been exactly. Very good. <laughs> But you both have a, a bit of a history, of course, in, in writing and obviously a love and a passion for it. So, um, tell, CJ, tell us about yeah. your writing background, I guess. Where, where have you come from? My writing background, I ran a blog for a long time called mm-hmm. 10% Inspired, which was um, uh, it was a, a sort of a critique and a, a review kind of a website about news and politics and movies and basically everything that I was interested in mm-hmm. um, and then my first contact with the Writers Centre which was it was under the name Tasmanian Writers Centre then was in 2015 when I was one of the young writers in the city I was in a, a residence residency program mm-hmm. and that was the first time that somebody had sort of looked at what I was writing and said you know what that's a re- that's a voice and mm-hmm. you should be paid to produce this kind of work um and it's why I think you know over the last few years we've had funding crises we've had mass board resignations through all of that all I keep thinking is who else is out there standing behind a checkout or you know doing something else that they don't love that doesn't Mm -hmm. inspire them and they're waiting for somebody to give them that opportunity and tell them that their voice has value and that they should be writing oh they're Makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. That is such a beautiful thought. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Ariane. And it must be, sorry, it must have been a pretty special event to be sort of have someone tap you on the mm. shoulder, CJ, and say that you, you do have a voice. So, I mean, obviously, probably we're pretty confident already in your own, you know, artistic merits when it came to your blog and stuff, but I'm, I'm sure that must have been a very special It's a moment. really, really big deal to mm. to have somebody else come and say, look, you know, we've read it and we really like it and we want to publish it and we want to pay you to do that. Um, you know, I think we're all aware in the artistic world how rare something like that can be. Um, it's a continuing struggle to ensure that writers and, and indeed all kinds of creatives are paid appropriately for their work and their effort. Mm, mm, for sure. Okay. And Ariane, how, how, uh, I'm interested to hear you. Ariane is a much more accomplished writer than I am. <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm settling in for all. this one. Uh, um, well, I suppose, I mean, I've always been a big reader, um, loved books from day dot, but um, I didn't really start to think that I could maybe be a writer until high school. And I had, um, I did English writing and I had this brilliant teacher her name's Anna Ford and she was probably the first person who 
yeah, just really made me believe in my ability and encouraged me to um, just, yeah, to pursue it. And so I thought, oh, maybe this is something that I can do as a career. Um, and so I've, yeah, I've been trying to do that ever since. I did um, an honours year at UTAS in creative writing under the supervision of um, author Danielle Wood, which was probably one of the best things I've ever done for my writing. I think it really grew a lot and um, was a very enriching year. Um, and so, yeah, I've just, I write short stories and I'm working on a novel at the moment, which I've just started a mentorship with another author um, called Angela Slatter. She's braced in. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she writes Gothic fantasy. Mm. And, yeah. Like horror uh, and yeah, very famous for short stories amongst that kind of genre. Um, and yeah, she's been awesome to work with so far. So yeah, and I just feel incredibly lucky to be working with Taz writers, you know, to be um, so entrenched in this literary community. Um, it just works so well, you know, being able to support Tasmanian writers um, at the same time as I'm trying to be successful in this very challenging industry um, is really quite delightful. So, yeah, that's basically me. That's all about you, Willow. <laughs> and and I'm. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to say you've absolutely hit it on the head, Darren, being a horror writer and me being a fantasy writer, you know, well, you've just, you know, welcome to the club. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I was about to ask if the if the gothic uh, horror genre was something, was that, you know, was that something you've, you, you pursue, Ariane, or um, as far as your mentorship? Yeah, or, so or was it... not, not quite. Definitely gothic, not really horror. Um, I love... I love historical fiction and I love um, folk tales and I like mm. to try and combine the two. Um, and, yeah, and a bit of darkness goes a long way, I think. So I, I, um, I've actually just, yeah, I'm trying to read more um, books that delve, that go that way and do delve into a bit of horror. I, I like books that, um, that don't, um, that aren't gory and don't, you know, I like the more subtle kind of um creepiness that can come through with good writing rather than just um <laughs> blood splatter and you know <laughs> yeah there's something to be said about the the uh, the hints and whispers in the shadows as opposed to you know red wine on a white carpet exactly. absolutely That's but i'm just curious i look I, I have to profess i've never been or at this yet of course there's always the yet i've not yet been down to tasmania but i'm just wondering is there much gothic architecture in the city or surrounding suburbs i know here in adelaide there's a little bit you know there's a few gargoyles and and odd little things that you don't notice until you notice and once you do you you can never not notice yeah. them. but uh is there any little you know strange gothic little buildings or oh. symbols um you know there. Rather, we actually, I don't know about gargoyles. There, I think there are some gargoyles on St. David's Cathedral, I think, which is one of our oldest churches. Um, but what is really what I find to be the sort of the Gothic atmosphere in Tassie is the just the really old cottages, which we have a lot of. And you know, ah, yes, um, space very close together and on a, a grey, dark day, um, particularly walking around Salamanca. Uh, place um, you know wet cobblestones and those really old buildings that's it's got a very gothic feel with the mountain in the background mm. and the mists coming down and I'd say it was yeah sort of just the smaller everyday kind of dwellings rather than gothic on a big scale. Sounds like the perfect uh, place to be renting out for a writer's retreats for six months <laughs> at a time I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> As long as you promise that uh, mist to come rolling at least three, four days a week. 
Well, we used to have um, a cottage um, that was open for, is it in Kelly Street, CJ? It was. It was in Kelly Street at the top of Kelly Steps behind the Salamanca Arts Centre. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that? we don't have access to that anymore. We've done um, a couple of residencies down in um, si- uh, down in the Huon Valley around Signet mm-hmm. uh, at a place called Crooked Tree Point. Oh, um, the the cottage is owned by uh, Posey Graham Evans, who is uh, most famous probably for being the writer behind McLeod's Daughters. Uh-huh. Um, and she very, very generously during the, the latter part of the lockdown year um, allowed us to use her cottage as a, a retreat for writers who needed to, a little bit of space. It was very difficult to get that alone time necessary to work when everybody's stuck in the house. Yes, most <laughs> definitely. I know a lot of people struggled with that in the writing community. Yeah, you know, Between God, that my husband's not going to work. Yeah, the kids aren't going to school and suddenly I have absolutely no minutes uh, without somebody sort of wanting some attention. So we, we shipped a number of people down to um, Signet for a week at a time to have that alone time to work on their manuscripts and get some stuff done. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure it would have made a huge difference for those people too. It was uh, really, really nice. And we cannot thank Posey enough. She provided that cottage at no cost um, for the centre to be able to run that program, which meant that we could run those residencies completely free for participants, which was really great. Mm, mm, fantastic. Actually, you know, CJ and Ariana, that kind of leads into a, a one question I was probably saving until later, <laughs> but now might as well be as good a time as any. Uh, with regards to, so for example, I know you've got the um, a project called Freedom and Liberty in a Time of Coronavirus. Yes. And uh, so, which is uh, incorporating, you know, with, with the support of the council, but so, and you just mentioned about the writers' retreats, etc. When it comes to, a, you know, taxi riders in general and their funding and, you know, what you're able to do. How big a role is the council? Is is it uh, almost a partnership or a silent partner? Or are you constantly trying to source funds from other areas? Just, uh, yeah, just curious as to, you know, how, how, do, how does a rider centre work? And, you know, how, how can people support it? The, the funding right. situation is, as with all arts organisations, I imagine, uh, an ongoing struggle. Um, we are constantly looking for sources of funding. We're constantly looking for, you know, diversified income streams and, and all of those kinds of very important business concepts as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, Hobart City Council has been extremely supportive and we would consider them to be a central partner. Um, when we lost state level funding uh, at the end of 2017, we could no longer afford our office uh, in Salamanca Arts Centre. And it was Hobart wow. City Council that came to the table and said, well, look, you know, we have a suite of a small suite of rooms uh, in one of our buildings on Davie Street. Um, and we received that uh, office space for a very, very token amount, uh, like very, very token. And sometimes we have to chase them and remind them to invoice us for it. <laughs> uh, so... Well, that's always it's always a uh, yeah pleasant yeah pleasant moment when you hear positive things from a council. No, it's it's really really great. You know, it's financially and cash wise, it's always difficult to drum up you know the cash that you need, and particularly during a COVID year, that was quite difficult um, because we we had a board meeting and we decided in conjunction with the board that our primary focus for twenty twenty had to be trying to maintain some level of income and financial stability for Tasmanian writers because Mm -hmm. people don't necessarily Mm -hmm. realise 
how much a proportion of a writer's income doesn't come from book sales. Yes, yeah. It comes from being able to go to events. It comes from being able to do workshops. It comes from, you know, things that involve going places and talking to people, which, of course, were completely off the table. Um, yes. For the average book sold in a bookstore for between $25 and $30, the, the author actually only receives about $1.25. And that, that is a, a, such an important point and, it, you know, it's something that some listeners may be aware of, but I've got a feeling a lot of listeners out there probably weren't aware of, of that sort of, uh, yeah, the, the, the money, the profit that can be yeah. made through, which is essentially traditionally published. That is specific avenue. to traditional publishing, yes. If That's you've, right. if you've yeah. gone a self-publishing route, which is very uh, high intensity in terms of the demands in energy from you, but, of course, the returns are you're not sharing anywhere near as much of that profit with other organizations or with a publishing house or, or that kind of thing. And it is something that we're seeing quite a bit of um, people exploring the avenue of, well, can I do this on my own? What if I, what if I only e-publish? Mm. Um, what if I have a run of books printed myself? How does that work? Um, and those mm. are the kinds of services and the kind of support that we're trying to provide for people as well. Um, with the, Which is exactly one of the yeah. questions I had for, for both of you was, you know, has those, has the, you know, the, the, the workshops and the various advice panels or, and so I guess projects and subjects that you offer, has it started to drift towards the, the digital realm as, as far as self-publishing and eBooks? You know, people wanting to know, look, how do I take control of this myself? And have, has that meant that your portfolio does, has it, is it now involving things like, how you convert, you know, you know, the basics, the hardware side of how to It is starting to, yes. Um, we have uh, an online point of sale platform. So for anybody whose books, any member whose books aren't available in a brick and mortar store in Tasmania, we provide a digital point of sale. So we'll sell your, uh, your books for you. If you've printed yourself, we can run that through our website. If you've done it digitally, we can put that on. Um, the only yeah, that's caveat, awesome. caveat we have is we don't like to compete with Tasmanian yeah. businesses. It's a rough enough industry as it is. Mm. We don't want to be taking sales away from Hobart Bookstore or Fuller's Bookstore. If your book's available there, we'd much rather advertise that and direct people there to buy them. Yeah, and I think that's an admirable and fair approach, most definitely. Um, but it does mean that, yeah, we've had to have a look at, you know, the, the, the questions that come through now instead of, okay, I can't get an agent. Well, maybe I'll try and produce this book myself. What is distribution? And how does one distribute? Yes. What is yeah, what is an ISBN? What is an ISBN? How do I get one? What what does all of that mean? Um, so we've had to yeah, and it's it's those kinds of questions have built up really quickly. I would submit over the last eighteen months, um, <laughs> and we've had to build part. yeah a stable of information for people. And it, I think that there is a really strong move in that direction for people to take a certain amount of control. Um, I always warn them there are very definite benefits to having a publisher and having traditional publishing. And the primary one being that the publisher generally takes responsibility for all of the marketing. Writers, I have found, invariably don't enjoy that bit. Mm. Least favourite part. <laughs> Go to the place and spruik the book, talk to people. And they're like, but, but, but I should be writing the next book. <laughs> and that's always the, the problem. You have yeah. to sort of be able to switch gears between right now I'm writing my manuscript and then 
change gears to, all right, now I'm not a writer anymore. Now I'm a marketer. Mm, it's very um, much a part and parcel. And I think is. I've heard of late even some traditional uh, writers bemoaning the fact that their window of marketing with their traditional publishers is brief. So they get sent on signings and those kind of things. And after that, there still seems to be an expectation that they will continue with yes. a blog or with a appearances or. Yeah. Have or your own social media presence, yeah. have your own yeah. website, manage your own Facebook. Um, and we are hopefully working towards being able to have a package where we say to people, look, we will help you with that. And we will help you manage your Facebook presence and your Twitter presence and all of those things that are becoming so necessary Yes. in the modern world to have a brand and to have a presence yeah um it's you know it's always one of those things it's not enough to write harry potter no you have to go <laughs> no. through 12 rejections and you have to yes. market yourself and brand yourself and you have to be available um and if you have gone the the self-publishing route that is even more important i have seen people who really were not prepared for all of the things that they needed to do because they went that way but i have also seen people who absolutely killed it mm, mm. Um, because they had a lot of energy and they had a lot of time and they put the legwork in and you can you know the percentages at that point can look very very attractive yes um, as i say a yes. dollar 25 per hard copy oh, book sold in a bookstore doesn't feel super amazing to a lot of writers i think the the last check from the asa the average australian writer is earning about twelve thousand dollars a year from writing it's not great is it and is that across all uh, publishing media yeah. as in self-published traditional yep. indie mm. that was the average uh, um yeah but yeah that's not even enough to pay tax in this country no even the government realizes <laughs> that's not really very much yeah yeah but they're probably working behind the scenes to change that oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it is interesting because you know for example with ebook you, you can set your pro you know essentially you can can be in control of your own profit margin in the sense of you might want to establish a price point where you get two dollars fifty three dollars a book uh, per digital sale which is for sale 24 hours a day seven days a week all across the globe However, as you've pointed out so eloquently, the marketing is going to be your major mountain to climb because in order to, in order to generate that per book profit that far eclipses what you would for a traditional, you need to essentially play the same you know, powerful game as a traditional publisher, who nowadays, I guess that's the other question to ask, and I'm wondering how much or if there's any... Um, reference to that in some of the lessons you give or workshops you give in the sense that what most publishers I'm guessing now have available to them as far as advertising so too does the independent publisher well I think the the primary benefit of of a traditional and long-existent publishing house somebody like Alan and Unwin is all of those relationships that they already have mm. They, oh, like a networking, that networking yes, thing. Yeah. They have that that phone that has all of the contact numbers in it, and they know who to ring. I've got a I've got a novel on my desk, and it's going to be the next Game of Thrones, and they know who to call. They know who's going to be interested. Um, I think one of the the primary things that new authors, if they're going to look at self publishing, need to keep in mind is you have to tour. 
you have to get in front of people and you have to get your book in front of people. Um, it's probably even more important for them than it is for, you know, writers who are traditionally published. Um, we're running the festival this year. We're contacted by publishers who say, you know, this book's coming out. We'd like to send the author down to, you know, take part in your, in your festival. I would suggest very strongly to authors who are self-publishing or independently publishing, you need to absolutely do the ring around and see if you can get into events. Mm. Talk to that's, people, that's, be present. Yeah, that's, that's such good advice. And, and I'm wondering, this is my last question because I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back here. Uh, I'm being I, I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for example, if, if a writer uh, has um, maybe self-published one or two books and then they come to, to you, CJ, and you, uh, Ariane, and say, you know what, I listened to your advice about, you know, getting out there, touring, getting to events. Can you help me? Can you help me set up a schedule? Is that something that you're in a position like the Writer Centre can do? It is something that we're working on being able to do. As always, there is a million more things that we could be doing and that we would like to be doing, and we have to balance that off against the available staff hours. Um, we are working really hard to try to develop systems to streamline it so that, yeah, we can provide as much support as possible for people who decide that, you know what, I want to try and do this my way and retain control of my story and the way that it's, that it's going to be presented. For the moment, all we can provide are signposts. We have a whole host of resources that we send people. This is what marketing is. This is what distribution is. And this is how you can go about it. And we can help you to make contact with, for example, the education department if you're writing children's books so you can do readings in schools. Um, and, of course, we will help you run book launches. We do events. We do workshops. And that can all be very, very helpful. Um, but at the moment, because we don't have an income stream for that particular project, it is very possible for us to get snowed under. And we have sometimes reached the point where we just can't take on anyone else. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, Ariane, as the program coordinator, there are, it looks like there's a lot of uh, programs set there for young and emerging writers. So, is there a really good pool of emerging writers in in Tassie? And uh, are there particular streams? You know, are you do you have lots of horror voices or lots of romance voices or lots of nonfiction voices? Tell us a little bit about what's yeah. coming through. Well, yeah, there is certainly, a, we've had a lot of interest, which has been fantastic in this young writing program, which we thought we would set up because there just didn't seem to be many workshops that were available for 12 to 18 year olds. I mean, the older teens, you know, they can probably participate um, in a workshop for adults, but for the younger kids, that obviously just wouldn't have been appropriate. So we, um, yeah, we tried to open it up to more younger people. Um, in terms of the genres that they're writing in, I've actually noticed um, a lot of um, young people interested in fantasy mm -hmm. writing. Nothing wrong with that. Um, oh, that's so, excellent. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of interest in um, our workshop on world building with Leanne Tanner and Carrie Linehan. Um, so that was really awesome to see. And, um, yeah, just a lot of the exercises that those authors ran um, involved um, the kids having to come up with um, like a um, sort of describing um, a town in 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 their book or, or a streetscape or things like that. And I was just... 
um, listening in when some of them read out their work. And it was so great to hear just the creativity and the inspiration that they were getting from, from these programs. Um, and, yeah, they've been really, yeah, often after the workshops, you know, they're leaving with this whole new like stacks of handouts and information from the presenters and, you know, leaving really inspired. And actually I was talking to one boy who was about 13 I think and he was telling me he'd already written this book and he was telling me all about it and yeah and he was just delightful and I thought well this is this is fantastic this is the next generation of Tasmanian authors um going about it already and yeah so no it's been yeah exactly it's been really heartening to see and also so nice that um some of well we've now made all these workshops um after school but the the first couple um were during school hours and um and it was really nice actually to see that the parents were obviously very encouraging of these kids to take them out of school for a couple of hours and and let them um learn about this passion that they had that was really great yeah. to see. I was going to make um, a joke just then about it was great to see that they were willing to bludge school, but no. they actually did. <laughs> With their parents' permission, that makes it even better. Yeah. Go, you little writers. <laughs> One child actually said that um, his teacher encouraged him to go and, and to WAG class to come to this. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> that was nice. I mean, she wasn't a oh, teacher, which makes sense. That's good. <laughs> But what an impact on a, a young writer's life to get exposure to, you know, fantastic authors that you can bring in and to be in a room with other young writers and, and get that sense of community. Yes, exactly. Well, that's what I've also enjoyed watching is the interactions between um, these children um, with each other and, yeah, just how, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously quite a, a vulnerable thing to read out your work um to a to other people um and obviously you know there's no pressure to do that it's only if they would like to but a lot of them have and the the environment in which that happens has been very supportive which is just so nice because you know particularly with the younger we've, we've broken these workshops into two age groups so 12 to 14 year olds and 15 to 18 year olds um and we've actually gotten more interest from the younger oh, age you group. Do you take them into schools or is it um, all after school work now? It's all after school now and it's all, we've got a, very luckily, um, there's a workshop space just outside our office. So they come into the, the new space on Davie Street and there's a whiteboard and a big table and plenty of space for uh, everyone. So, yeah, yeah. So what are your plans for the future if there's so much going on? Actually, let me take that back a bit because <laughs> last year, let, hold that future, that new future, <laughs> let's, let's look at last year and the coronavirus and so many things shut down. And I know I really missed going into, uh, you know, workshops and festivals in person and the online was, was good and there were some things, but nothing like networking in a, in a big line. So what did TAS writers do? Um, during the, the coronavirus? And what has that led to for you thinking about it in the future? That's kind of where I was going. So take it back a step and go forward. <laughs> we, um, we looked at lockdown and I, I can remember uh, about a week before the lockdown was actually announced, Shirley Patton, who was going to do a workshop in Launceston for us, mm-hmm. rang my office and she said, oh, you know, this coronavirus thing, um, how, do we, how do we feel about it? 
Um, and at that point, I think Tasmania really, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And I mm-hmm. think there was a very strong feeling that, you know, maybe it's all going to blow over. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's all going to be okay. But we had a discussion about it and we, we said, well, how would you feel? Because we have such a high degree of people who are in uh, high risk demographics, a lot of older people come to workshops. Yeah. Um, we talked about it and we said, oh, you'd feel so bad if, it t- if we were contacted by the state health administration and we found out that we had been a, a vector, that we mm. had been a hub for a contagion. So we made the decision to postpone that workshop and a week later the whole state went into lockdown. Yeah. Um, in consultation oh, wow. with my board and thanks to a very generous uh, small grant that we received from Tasmanian Health, interestingly enough, yeah. um, we were able to move our workshop program online. So for all of 2020, we were doing two workshops a month completely online mm-hmm. um we kept them as cheap as we possibly could to let people stay engaged because we knew that finances would be a serious consideration with a lot of people in lockdown and such a huge portion of tasmania's workforce is um you know engaged in tourism mm. and tourism related industries so that was a serious concern um we also completely changed the way that we paid our presenters because our funding was really static but therefore really secure we knew we had enough to pay the staff we knew we had enough to run the basic programs so we swapped from a standard sort of hourly rate for the presenters and we went look we're going to do an 80 20 split we recognize that your opportunities for income are severely limited this year mm-hmm. and as part of you know freedom and liberty in a time of coronavirus and we, we had another program called defining normality all of these programs were really specifically designed for that year just to keep the economy moving and to keep money moving around Mm. we knew that it was going to be so difficult for them um not being able to go to festivals not being able to do book readings not being able to do launches it was going to be really difficult for them to maintain you know a stable level of income for that year so to be honest that was our top priority for 2020 just trying to find ways to keep this section of the economy moving yeah. so that it didn't stagnate and we didn't lose people. Mm, mm, fantastic. And good response. Did you have lots of people attending? Was it, how did you find we your did. audience? Yeah. We really, really did. Um, for the first couple of months, we were actually running sort of three or four workshops a month because lockdown had sort of just happened. It was new, it was novel and people were really interested. Um, but we, we settled down to two a month once we thought, okay, everything's calming down a little bit now and, and we really are sort of settling into this for the long haul. Mm. Um, and I think that was a very scary concept for a lot of people, settling into this idea that, you know, we could be stuck like this for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I found it very uh, um, inspiring and reassuring in a lot of ways that where did everybody go mm. when this horrible stress happened, when we were all under all of this pressure and all of this uncertainty the western world at the very least we went back to our stories yes we all went to our books we all went to netflix we went back to those stories that comfort us and tell us who we are and remind us that we can survive this and we're going to be okay Mm, mm, absolutely tell me the writers groups because i noticed that you've got a number of writers groups on your website and you know obviously a little difficulty meeting in real life how have you found they've survived they a lot of them did close down a lot of them did close down or they went to sort of 
not so much writing group meetings as just touch base social meetings on you know things like zoom and go to meeting which is what we use and google hangouts um we don't run those writers groups that's a community service that we provide we list them we provide contact information for them and we help them to network but mm-hmm. those are all run by community members oh right. it's good so um yeah, it's still fairly strong it is and they yeah. were really really strong and the, when we started to open up again there was a really strong movement back towards we want to get back in the room together we yes. want to be able to feel like we have that community again and it was really beautiful to see that the numbers had not dropped off mm, fantastic this is good and so how many are you expecting at your next festival so would that be the hobart one that's in october is that your next one the hobart writers festival in mm-hmm. october yeah so the opening will be on friday the 8th at uh, town hall we hope uh, we're waiting on confirmation for that from hobart city council uh, and then the meat of the festival will be on the 9th and 10th. We have uh, panels and workshop sessions in Hadley's Orient Hotel, and we provide two days of free activities for children on Parliament Lawn. So that's Ooh, children's good. writers reading to kids. They do activities with them. It's, it's very, very fun. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could go and spend more time at that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always end up having to present things at the other yeah, one, cool. work all day. There um, you go. Our the, the seating capacity is lower than normal, mm-hmm. and of course we have to manage ticket sales in advance as opposed to having huge numbers of ticket sales on the day because we do need to be able to contact trace. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hadley's Orient Hotel has worked with us really, really carefully. They had a really good coronavirus plan in place to start with, mm-hmm. and we've just built on that to try to make sure that we can keep everybody as safe as we can. You know, we need to maintain minimum distances. Um, we are looking at potentially having some attendees maybe beaming in to the sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the writers are a little bit older or have health concerns. And that's been one of the things to come out of this past year that we're not as afraid, I think, to experiment with technology mm-hmm. and have a go at seeing if we can make it work for us um, and provide people with more access opportunities. It's one of the hard things about being uh, trying to run a, a state-level support organisation is it's a big state. It is. Um, <laughs> too true. Too true. You definitely don't sound like you're kicking back with a coffee no, and watching the uh, no. seagulls fly I'm overhead. I'm glad you were able to squeeze us in. So, no, very, very <laughs> appreciative of it. So, of course, you know, you can always um, uh, tell us who are your top people in the, in the program? Who are you expecting down here? Well, Okay. <laughs> Uh, Ariane uh, has a long-standing relationship with Alan and Unwin. They provide us with a lot of um, their newly published books for giveaways. Fantastic. Uh, Ariane contacted them and absolutely blew me away at work. Um, now, hold on one moment because I always get this wrong. Please give me one moment to check the name pronunciation because ah. I do not want to mess it up on, on the internet. Ursula... Dubo Sarsky, who is the Australian Children's Laureate, uh, has very, very kindly agreed to come down for the Hobart Writers' Festival. And honestly, in the office, we were beside ourselves. (laughs) There was much jumping up and down. That's fantastic. We were absolutely beside ourselves. Ariane and I just sat there looking at each other going, did that just happen? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, you think, you just assume that that they'll politely decline because, you know, these great people you know they're so busy they're getting opportunities left right and center but so to have them say yes we should love to come down was 
was just wonderful. Ah, that's good. And who wouldn't love to come to Tassie? You know, as opposed to Darren, <laughs> I've been down there many times and lived down there for for, for six months. So um, I come back anytime I can get on a plane. I would definitely be back there. It's a beautiful yeah. spot. Well, not only that, by the uh, I can just hear how passionate and uh, <laughs> nonstop you are for supporting yes. the riders down there. Yeah. I'm thinking I've got a kayak. It's not that cold yet. I can. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, don't do that. They'll have to might get a bit, be a bit rough getting down there. I've but... stories of people who get lost somewhere between you know King Island and the mainland. But we do have, of course, plenty of Tassie riders on Australian book lovers, and two that I you know come to mind because I've just. Uh, one, I've just read Ben Marshall's The Last Circus on Earth. And, ah, oh, oh, isn't was, he lovely? That is just amazing. I love yeah. that. That was really Ben good. Marshall was one of the writers for uh, Freedom and Liberty in a Time of Coronavirus. Ah, oh, there you good. go. Wow. Very good. Um, yeah. He's very, very, very good. And actually, um, the, the public showing for the piece that they wrote is uh, on Friday. Oh, so I will be going good. to see it performed. It was a script. Uh, and I'll be going to see it performed for the first time on Friday. Oh, fantastic. Really oh, you, just said, you just said a magic word there, script, because that is a, another question that popped in my head um, for when it comes, because you did mention, like, for example, you know, one of the benefits of going with a traditional publisher is they may come across a story and go, oh, that's the next Game of Thrones. Um, and so I think, you know, straight away, the possibility there also of television yeah. or movie rights, et cetera. Uh, script writing, is that something that's a part of the TAS writers or is it more your traditional writing or is like play plays and uh, scripts something that you also have as part of your palette? We have been working really hard lately to try and sort of blow this idea wide open on what is worthwhile literature what is what are worthwhile stories and who deserves to to get that support because it, it has been whether it was accurate or not there has definitely been a perception in the past that literature organizations were really only interested in very very specific kinds of things okay. um, I, I, so, what do you mean by if you could find worthy yeah yeah and it's sort of you know so it kept I think it kept people from feeling like they could approach a writer's centre, from feeling like, you know, oh, I'm not going to be well received. I've written a sci-fi. Mm -hmm. It's not a memoir. It's not sort of heavy. Literary. It's not, <laughs> it's not literary. Um, and we're really trying to push back against this idea that there's a, you know, some kind of arbitrary line between those stories that have value because they're literary and those stories that have value just because people love them mm. it's okay to just write something that touches people and speaks to them and that they love um we don't move too far into script writing only because in tasmania we have an amazing state level organization called wide angle mm -hmm. um which supports uh -huh. film production um, and if you are looking at writing for film and TV particularly, I tend to direct people um, to Wide Angle and to their director, Abby Binning, only because I know she's going to be able to give them more targeted support mm. than I can. Um, oh, that's great that there's a dedicated uh, you know, yeah. area there for movie um, makers and people that want to get into script writing. And, of course, Australian Plays, which is now uh, transitioning into its new life as part of a, a federal, uh, a, a national level um, institution, was located in Hobart. So if you were writing for the stage, quite often we would 
suggest that you know that was actually the more appropriate person for you to contact just because if you're if you're working in a niche like that you're going to have better information than i do you're going to have better mm. contacts than i do mm. um but we're very very strongly of the opinion that all kinds of storytelling have value um and that it's about those connections that happen between the writer and the person consuming that story. And then between groups of people who consume that story and then get to talk about it, they've had this shared experience mm-hmm. where they've shared this story together. And now that's a connection. Um, that's yeah. something that made them feel the same thing at the same time. And I think there's a great deal of power in that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'd hate to think that there was writers out there or people looking to write or maybe even just begin the journey that that think the story they're going to write has no value or maybe you know it's it's fun to write but it's it's not worthy it's not like as you said Frank, i'm not true literature or yeah something. i'd hate to think that that's any sort of you know feeling that that writers or, or potential writers out there have the capability of feeling because it's as you pointed out cj um it's as long as someone reads it and enjoys it that is the number one goal i yes. can't imagine what, I, what the other goal is Absolutely. you know it's it's been a little bit of a road. I think in the past, potentially, there there have been sort of lines drawn between what was going to be literary and what was going to be, you know, it's sometimes referred to as genre fiction, um, you know, it's sometimes referred to as pulp. But the reality is, you know, a huge amount of emotional energy goes into creating these stories and they produce a huge amount of emotional energy at the end. Mm. As long as people are reading them, and loving them and having those experiences, that has value. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, if, uh, to, I, I can just imagine that if someone out there didn't quite agree with you and decided then that they were going to aim for something that would be considered literature, well, then they're not being true to the story of themselves, are they? So therefore, the finished product cannot be anything that can be enjoyed That's and, and uh, probably fails on all fronts. Look, it's one of those things. I find that people can pigeonhole themselves they can put various strictures on themselves and feel like there are there are things that they should be aiming for there is a place for all kinds of stories um and the popularity of all manner of things really speaks to that um you know you will have non-fiction coming out that is very very heavy and that is important Things that happened in the past, uh, memoirs about things that people experienced, those are really important and they can help mm-hmm. shape the way that we talk about all kinds of topics uh, and the way that culture responds to things. But there's absolutely a place for something light and something mm-hmm. fun and something absolutely. that rejuvenates and and just gives you joy. Yeah. yeah. We've just finished a lovely panel with a group of Australian romance writers and they are absolutely pro- prolific and oh, as yeah. a proportion of the the published works world, they are on top every time. And oh, it, nobody produces it, like romance writers. That's it. And it's, it's light and it's in um, it's inspiring because it entertains and it's uplifting and you go, yeah, when you do write a little bit of dark fantasy, um, it can be a little bit on the downside. <laughs> but these writers knew their stuff and, you know, they – they are prolific and they know their genre and they know what their audience wants and they know mm. how to produce great quality work. So, yeah, it was very interesting. Well, it is one of those things, you know, the number one response, I think, in, you know, in various 
methods and ways but the number one response you'll get from writers if you have if you're an emerging writer and you say how do I become a good writer what will make me a great writer and the answer is always some version of just write more words yes <laughs> keep yeah. writing words yes um, yeah. it is a practice it is something that requires a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of energy and the more words you write the better at writing you're going to become. And, you know, if nothing else, romance writers churn them out like you would not believe. I have a couple of friends who are, are in the romance writing genre and I look at the amount of stuff that they produce over a sort of an 18-month period. It absolutely mm -hmm. blows my mind. Mm, they, they are certainly prolific. Tell me a little bit of a, a side way and also, of course, <laughs> go to Taz Writers courses and learn more about writing. That's, that's yes. what you're doing there. Sorry. <laughs> Can I just go a little bit sideways and talk about audiobooks and talk about oral history? And I wonder, you know, where the, and in particular in thinking about, you know, uh, the Indigenous custodians of our land and the, the strength of their oral history and surviving so many thousands of years. And then we've got audiobooks. So where do you see, Ariane or CJ, where do you see the, <laughs> the future of audiobooks and oral storytelling. Is there something there that we could do or that we should be doing? I think it will grow organically on its own. And I think the accessibility of it, um, and not just in terms of, you know, people who might find, you know, a copy of Lord of the Rings a little bit intimidating, something that size, but just the, the physical accessibility of it, being able to listen to it in the car on the way to work. Mm being able to have it going while you're doing something else. I think that it is absolutely unavoidable that that sort of area of activity is going to expand. Mm -hmm. I think it makes stories so much more accessible um, to so many more people. And generally speaking, the price is really, really reasonable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so like compared to just buying your average book at a bookstore, the, yeah, the cost of an audio book, or even, you know, you can, you can rent them at the library as well for, mm -hmm. for nothing, just like you can rent a normal book. So yeah, it's, it's increasing that accessibility yet again. Um, I know for me, I actually, I always prefer to just to read a, a physical copy of a book. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's something that I think, I mean, you know, on, on long car trips, it'd be excellent. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm someone who suffers quite terribly from car sickness. So I've never, oh, been, no. yes, <laughs> I've never been able to read in the car, which has uh, oh, no. I am with you, Ariane. I, I, the only read, I could sometimes read a little bit on a, on a tablet, but I cannot read my paper books. Yeah. It's tragic. It is, isn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, ex excellent for that. And, I mean, yeah, I, we haven't actually really thought about audiobooks so much at TAS Writers, but it might be something that we could, we have every month we have a, um, on our blog, we, we do a recommended reads post about, mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll feature an Australian recent release, a Tasmanian recent release, a kid's recent release um, and a Tasmanian classic. Mm -hmm. um, and we could do something similar with audiobooks, yeah. uh, potentially, you know, feature um, some new, new one or, or even, um, I mean, obviously, podcasts are quite different to audiobooks, <laughs> but, yes, but still, yeah. But there, you know, it's it's again in that audio realm, um, and I think we used to a couple of years ago we we would feature um, uh, 
specific podcasts that were relevant um, to writing or Tasmanian stories. Mm. Um, and I think that would be nice to, to get back into. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. There are some good podcasts because, of course, my brain is thinking I'm very much a project and change manager still in my background. And I'm thinking you've got this arts and theatrical, so you've got people who can speak beautifully. Yes. So then because we often ask our authors when we interview them to read a little of their work some of them are just too shy they say oh no I couldn't or you know <laughs> oh, no, no I couldn't or they'll tell us who they'd love to you know to read their yeah. work yeah. but to have somebody who is trained in voice to then because that's often the biggest cost in putting an audio book together to yes. be able to yeah even just give snippets or read short stories or uh, you know do first chapters to encourage people to buy a book um, yeah, that, it's a, a great idea. There you are. Look, I've given you another project. Harry <laughs> 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 Ann, you're in the office. I need to write that down. <laughs> oh, I will. Great I find, community collaboration. <laughs> what I find strange and, and wonderful about audiobooks and podcasts, I certain agree, but more so audiobooks, is, you know, growing up with technology, you know, from, from say, the TRS-80, the VIC-20, and Commodore 64, Commodore 128, and Nintendo, and then PC computers starting. And it was, and I was sure that, you know, by the year 2001, at least, we'd have our own hovercrafts and, you know. <laughs> Hoverboards, at least. Yeah, or 2015, <laughs> we'd be holidaying on, on, the, on the moon, for sure, or, or at least being able to afford trips where you could go into orbit. And yet here's, with all the technology in the world, and yes, we've got astounding stuff, you know, I love my VR and everything, but uh, the, the explosion of audiobooks has just gone to show that with all the technology in the world, people love storytelling. And I think, you know, especially from my experiences talking to people is how many people don't read books for whatever reason, it may be time restraints, it may be that, you know, they're, they're a little bit, you know, they're literacy. intimidated, you know, or even literacy to that degree, mm -hmm. um, have dived into the world of audiobooks. And, you know, and so I think it's, it's almost like a primal thing. It must be that, you know, obviously storytelling was probably one of our very first methods of communication, probably happened around campfire and, and on, and maybe, you know, a few symbols on the walls, but, uh, and of course, what's the first thing, how do we learn our languages by when we're little babies, the stories are read to us. Um, and then, so I think it's a full circle and here we are, stories are, are, are popular, more popular than ever. And, and the idea of audio books is just, uh, it's just a bit of magic, really. When you think about it as writers, it's, it's, uh, it's exploding around the world. Who would have thought? Hmm. We have a, a real yen for the importance of stories um, on a, a deeper cultural level at, at TAS Writers. Uh, our vision statement is to build an environment where writers are recognised as powerful drivers of culture. Oh, I like that. I'd like that on a T-shirt, please. <laughs> um, you need your merch the, store happening. Yeah. <laughs> the stories that we mm. tell and the way that we conceptualise the things that have happened, um, you know, our triumphs and our tragedies, the things that we are profoundly proud of and the things that hold a great deal of shame, they mm. all come into our stories and we we tell them and we synthesize them into you know this paradigm that we can understand and that we can use to teach our children who they are and where they came from mm. um, and to build that sense of community it's part of why um, Etowa and the Hidden Stories program for Aboriginal writers is is so important to us down here um, considering that you know my father 
went to high school in New South Wales and he was taught in high school that there were no Tasmanian Aboriginal people. Yeah. Oh. That they were, they didn't exist. They were, they were gone. Um, and I think in the sharing of these stories and, and having events where we can come together and listen and be able to have that empathetic experience. You know, all those studies that say readers, people who consume stories have more empathy than people that don't. Mm. It allows you to have these experiences in a safe way and you can build those connections and build that feeling of camaraderie and community. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful. I'm just looking at the quote that I've got on the desktop of my computer, which is words are sacred they deserve respect and but this is the most important bit if you get the right ones in the right order you can nudge the world mm-hmm. a little and i think that's oh that's, how beautiful yeah absolutely that's Tom Stoppard, and that's just i think that is exactly right and whether the world is a little entertaining a little educating a little empathy it words are incredibly powerful yeah mm. so what are your plans for the future? Let me get you back well, on that one. When is your book coming out, Ariane? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Wow. Ariane, yes. Coming out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I've got a, I'm in the process of editing, which is always very time consuming. Yes. I, yes, I can't see it coming out for a couple of years, I don't reckon. But... Oh. And so uh, are you. Does it have a going... working title? Yeah. Oh, oh. I won't, I won't, it sort of does, but it, <laughs> you don't I have won't. to share. Don't feel any pressure. That's okay. <laughs> so it's, look, it's, it's, it's been a, what well, is an ongoing, very fun journey. Also very frustrating as I'm sure you can all understand. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fantastic. And the journey I'm sure will be full of surprises. And uh, I wish you all the very best for when it comes out. Oh, thanks so much, Darren. <laughs> uh, future plans. So the the biggest thing probably conceptually that happened to us last year with our online workshops is that we had someone attend uh, a workshop on environmental writing from Dr. Lisa Gershwin from Washington State. Oh, wow. Mm. Long way and to come. A long How did they way. find out about that, I wonder? I oh through Lisa I believe it was you know somebody knew somebody who knew somebody uh so they logged on from Washington State uh to do this online workshop and it was the first time I had ever sat there and gone oh my god how do I advertise this in America yeah (laughs) yes yeah because it was not because we we didn't do online workshops we didn't do anything like that before it was never a thought that had occurred to me i i doubted it ever occurred to any previous director at tas writers simply because it wasn't within our scope but with technology it is now mm. um and one of the things that we are looking at very very carefully is how we might work to present tasmanian writers and stories on a national and international stage yeah um is there any and coming from a health background where we're always trying to replicate things at each different state have come is there any movement for tas writers to get together with writers vic and queensland writers and writing wa so that if your expertise is climate fiction and Queensland is adaptable as the, uh, the work that they do around um, uh, book to film stuff. Now, is there ever 
a thought of a collaboration so that if something fabulous is on in Taz Riders, you do have an online presence and we can say, can you advertise that on Riders Vic and, and uh, say this is what we're doing? We actually have uh, the, all of the state writers' centres mm -hmm. have what we call the National Writers' Centre Network. Um, up until 2020, we met once a year, normally in South Australia, actually, oh, um, <laughs> at the South Australian Writers' Centre. Of course, with lockdown, that wasn't possible. And we did, um, our, meet, our first meeting is normally in April. So we had a, a Zoom meeting in April. And at the end of it, we all went, wait, we can do this a lot. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have to travel. It was just it was just the tradition of how it was always yeah. done. We it's a switching mindset, isn't it? But, but then it you don't really get to meet is. at the Moles Balls. <laughs> we don't. Normally we're there during the Adelaide Writers Festival, actually. Um, and in 2020, the plan was to meet in Melbourne um, during yeah. the Melbourne Writers mm, Festival, mm. Um, which I, honestly I, was, I felt a little bit let off the hook because one of the things they wanted to do was have some kind of panel uh, for the Melbourne Writers Festival with all of the directors on it. Right. Um, and at that point, I'd been director for about 20 minutes. Oh, so <laughs> I think you'd be pretty I, I, safe now. <laughs> I did feel a little bit let off the hook. Yeah. Um, but no, now we have four standard meetings a year um, mm -hmm. via Zoom and we can call a meeting if, we, if there's something that we want to discuss. Mm. Um, we have reciprocal advertising arrangements. So we're always advertising each other's events, particularly if yeah. they're online and they can be attended. Mm. We also have reciprocal membership arrangements. Ah. So if you're a member of TAS Writers yep. and you're looking at attending uh, a digital offering by the Queensland Writers Centre, for example, you need to let them know that you're a member because you will get member rates and we are the same. If you happen to be a member of Writers South Australia or Writers Victoria or any mm -hmm. of the state writer centres, you just have to let us know and you get member rates. You don't have to join. That is excellent. But, of course, now that's going to be that I don't have any time for my family or my writing or my <laughs> editing because I'll be on courses all the time. I do have a little bit. Some people have to intervene sometimes. So I think you've learned enough. Stop. Do the writing now. But that's I'm a little fantastic. bit like that with projects. I'm a little yes. bit like that with projects. It's sort yeah. of we can't do any more projects until at least one of the ones on the board is finished. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> well, or you get two boards. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it isn't it fascinating and and look look lucky to a certain degree, but also wonderful that you know unfortunately yes you know as a country we went through the lockdowns and life did have to make you know, we did have to make drastic changes in our lives and unfortunately a lot of businesses and a lot of situations just by the by the nature of their structure probably weren't able to, able to adapt and yet for other you know uh, structures such as the writer center um, it's it's had its you know negative aspects but, but and yet at the same time it's allowed a huge growth spurt in a completely different direction and and like you said uh, CJ opened up these basically opened you up to the world whereas before it was perhaps more local based and, but now by way of having to utilise technology and Zoom, et cetera, and, and expand to the online, um, I, I suspect, yeah, all these wonderful new opportunities will sort of rise out from the ashes of this COVID. Oh, it absolutely blew my mind. I can remember sitting there for sort of half an hour thinking, I can't, you can't ignore that. Mm. Somebody from the other side of the world logged on and did a, a workshop with us. Now, in fairness, it's only happened once. But also, in fairness, I didn't advertise any of those workshops in America. They just found us somehow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
so it, it is part of our, our plan going forward. We are hoping, and maybe you'll be able to, to provide a little bit of support and, and insight for us, we are hoping to run a podcast mm, um, that will be advertised nationally and internationally in English-speaking countries uh, yeah. to platform Tasmanian writers and stories. Ariane's going to be our interviewer. Excellent, yeah. Ariane. <laughs> Very exciting. But, yeah, it'll be a big learning curve because yeah. never done anything like that before. But... Well, you you can absolutely – we're on the learning curve ourselves, but you're more than welcome to uh, ask us anything. But um, th- the first thing I'm going to ask then is as soon as your podcast is ready or even just before it's ready – uh commercial get one happening and it'll be so fantastic for us to be able to include a, a commercial or advertisement uh yes. on a regular basis happy on to our drop podcast. it into all of our podcasts and say yeah absolutely oh definitely. thank you very much yeah. that's very kind or maybe we'll produce a commercial for you who knows we'll yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> and of course you're more than welcome to have all the Aussie authors down in Tassie and particularly the Indigenous authors um, really encourage them to put their books on Australian book lovers. It is another platform them to promote. And what we've found is that the, it's the podcast that really is drawing people to the site. And, you know, Darren can talk to you about the statistics of the site, but it's people love listening to Aussie voices because so much of our media and our entertainment comes from the US or the UK and it is lovely to hear those Aussie voices talking about local products, talking about books, um, not always that happen in places that we know, but there's nothing better than reading something that happened in Hosiery Lane in Melbourne. I think I walked down there the other day, or, <laughs> you know, I know that shop. And it's just that that sense of connection and the, the storytelling. So we are really happy to support you. And yes, please send us some little cameos and advertisements for all of your stuff. And we're, we're happy to drop those in. And, Thank and you. I think that by, sounds amazing. And the the absolute enthusiasm that has exploded from uh, Tasmania while we're having this uh, this <laughs> podcast, I'm sure our listeners uh, cannot avoid that. And anybody out there that, that's listening to podcast that is already part of a member of one of the Writers Centre, I have no doubt they're going to be looking, jumping on the web to see what sort of events Tas Writers has got coming up. Now that they realise that they can uh, be a part of it and not uh, as as part of a national uh, group, so to speak. And uh, and of course those people listening that may want to be a part of TAS Writers as far as some of the workshops they've got and are in different states. Now they're aware that they all they have to do is join their local writers association and then there'll be uh, no problems in being a part of TAS Writers. So you might be but you might need that you might need that second whiteboard. Yeah. Oh dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck with the Writers Festival in particular. Absolutely. And uh, then what we usually do is say to people, where can they find you online? And so is the Writers' Festival all the information on the TAS Writers' website? We haven't had a a program to publish yet. That should be out uh, by the end of June. We will have uh, the program and the the first round of early bird tickets, which will be all-day tickets. Um, One of the things that we're really very careful about when it comes to events like this is keeping the tickets a manageable price. Mm -hmm. There's a very strong feeling uh, in Tasmania that in a lot of instances, the local community is, is sort of priced out of their own cultural events. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, yep. it's a wonderful thing um, for Tasmania and for our economy to have people come down to enjoy everything that Tasmania has to offer. And we love that. We love it when you come down here and spend money too. Yes. <laughs> but it's very, very uncomfortable sometimes for Tasmanians to realise that they can't afford to go to things 
that really are their cultural events. Mm. Um, mm. So we're really quite sticklery about trying to keep the prices for, for the festival down. Nothing is ever over $25 to attend for, mm. for an event. Mm-hmm. Now, CJ and Arian, if one or two members of the Australian Book Lovers uh, Foundership, which I guess is either myself or Veronica, kind of <laughs> <it> down <laughs> no, if either of us do make it down to Tasmania for that event, can you at least guarantee uh, a trip to see, I want to see this rolling uh, mist down in these cabins? Uh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. We'll show you all the cool stuff. Sure. <laughs> and where else can people find Tas Riders online give us all your places we have a facebook presence mm-hmm. um we're just under taz writers we yeah. do have a twitter account we are not as active with it as we should be Our tasmanian writers love twitter though there's a lot of twitter activity and we need to be better about that writing community uh, is strong yes we have a taz writers instagram account mm-hmm. and of course you can always find us at www.tazwriters.org which is our website Fantastic. And an upcoming podcast. <laughs> and an upcoming yes. podcast. <laughs> and soon a podcast of your own. I, I really love that. That sounds fantastic. More voices out there. So to CJ Vunch and Ariane James from Taz Writers, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic. I've learned a lot about not only Taz Writers, but about writing in general, about how to put workshops on during the coronavirus what the future is of writing and lots of emerging young writers, more power to the fantasy group. I didn't say that. (laughs) Uh, More power to all of you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank Thank you you very much. And and may I say that there's uh, one of the great gifts you can get on any given day is the gift of absolute motivation. So thank you so much for that gift today. (laughs) Thank you very much. And Ariane, I'll say thank you particularly for being the first writer centre to respond back to us and get oh, your really? booking in. So you guys are number one. Yay. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care and thanks, everybody. Bye for now. Let's meet again. Where magic happens. <laughs>